Sit back, relax. You're listening to the Lazy Procrastination Podcast. I'm Sophie, and this is The Big Sleep. Everybody, welcome back. I'm very excited for today's podcast because it's the first bonus episode. Not the first I've recorded, but the first I'll have out. And today we're going to be talking about something very important. So important that I couldn't talk about it on my own. So I have a guest here, Gleek Extraordinaire Cordelia Lamb. <laughs> I'm very happy to be here. Truly overjoyed to be here. Thank you for having me, Sophie. You're welcome. So I guess, podcast listeners, you need to have a bit of a background. So Cordelia and I met while we were in a musical together at uni. <laughs> a, gl- a glee of our own. A glee of our own. One <laughs> even call it. I hadn't even realized that until you just mentioned. We actually kind of met on glee terms. Jesus we Christ. really did. It was a jukebox musical, a term that I've only learned via Lena Norm's recent Mamma Mia video. But a oh. jukebox musical is a musical with songs that already exist. And then the plot is organized around it, which back to the 80s was that. And Glee is also that. So it all makes oh. sense. It makes sense. I think a friendship such as ours could only have been forged <laughs> in the flames of a jukebox musical. Be it. I couldn't back have said to the it 80s. better. Or, you know, a Fox broadcasted jukebox musical by the name of Glee. So it actually makes total sense that these are vectors through which we have found each other. It really does. So for those of you who might not be as familiar with Glee as we are, and that's okay. Glee is a TV show that started in 2009 and ended in 2015. It is based around a Glee club in an iconic high school called McKinley. And what what can I say? The thing is, that's the gist of it. But then everything that happens is very, it's deeply absurd. And I think that's yeah. why it's worth talking about. Agreed. I think Glee as a, as a show sort of defies simple description. A, because of the fact it really that it does. A, yeah, exactly. It was such a long running show. But more than that, I mean, you could say, you know, Friends is a long running show. Plenty of vanilla Totally unproblematic, very sort of flat shows also ran for similar periods of time. But the premise of Glee is totally beyond description because so much happens in those seven, five, sorry, six years. Five years, five, six years. Yeah. It doesn't, it, it feels like forever and also no time at all because it's truly just chaos from beginning <laughs> to end in the best and worst way, as I think we want to discuss. Absolutely. I think it would be good to state our Glee credentials. So when Glee started, I was 11. When it stopped, I was 16. I'm not going to say that I was a Gleek all the way because at mm-hmm. some point, like 15-year-old me became too... I don't know what I became, but at some point I just fell off the bandwagon. However, yeah. I think I... Yeah. So I didn't see all the episodes, but I think I've watched all the music videos because even when I was done with watching Glee religiously, which it really was, because I mean, it was France in 2010. It wasn't as common as today to... like things arrived later than they did today like you couldn't watch things streaming 
I mean, you could, but you had to like go and be a hacker. So yes. I went and was a hacker. <laughs> <laughs> Um, my English was greatly helped because at some point you had no French subtitles. So I just had to watch it with English subtitles. I said, oh fuck goodness. it, you know what? I'll watch Glee and I'll understand. So yeah, but I watched all the music. Um, so I could kind of follow what was going on because I would see extracts. Yep, yep. That's <laughs> um, a similar Glee story to me. And then uh, I had the Glee partition book for like the two years that I learned <gasps> piano. I had the Wii SingStar <laughs> game with my sister. And I went to watch Glee the 3D concert movie when it came out. In 2011. Oh God. I, I wish we had been friends at that time. <laughs> I would have so desperately wanted to be your friend. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my Glee experience in a nutshell. Yeah, something else that I wanted to say was shout out to the TikTok teens because they are really yeah. taking Glee analysis to the next yeah, level. Yeah, they, they have heralded a resurgence of like Glee scholarship, which I think is necessary because we all sort of, there was only real, one real wave of Glee consumption, which was just when it aired, right? And then then came the TikTok teens who have been doing deep dives into the various idiosyncrasies of Glee to quite a clinical level. And to the great delight of those of us who consumed it as first waivers, because I'm pretty sure in our innocence, we missed a lot. So much, we missed so much. And when I rewatch <laughs> it, it's like those moments, some of them stuck in, so for instance, Will Schuster, I mean, we'll dive into that <laughs> deeper, but Will Schuster yeah. always made me uncomfortable. He always annoyed me. Yeah, yeah, but the yeah. thing is, with hindsight, like now being 21, when I see him do like buddy roll while singing yeah. the thong song, and then yeah. I understand the reason why I always knew the thong song was Glee. I just thought I knew it because everyone knew it. No, I knew it because of Glee. Yes. Um, the TikTok teens are the ones who showed me this. And so, yeah, also they allowed me to curate my for you page really quickly because i just went and researched glee tiktok and now i have only excellent content yeah so for the viewers i, I would just like to to commend sophie for the speed <laughs> at which she won the tiktok algorithm because i remember when she joined within hours days she already kind of broke through all the noise to the premium tiktok content which was all the glee kind of like conspiracies and deep dive TikToks without having to kind of hustle through all of the lower tiers of TikTok content like the rest of us because she knew she knew the terms and the buzzwords that would get her straight to the money, which was Glee, TikTok, Glee. TikTok, TikTok <laughs> and Glee, yeah. So well done. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, so yeah, I think there are two, well, I don't think, there are two parts to the Glee phenomenon that I think we should explore today. One is the music and the other is the plot. Yes, yes, um, yes. So you just pick which one do you want to start with? Um, okay, I think, I, well, I, I can anticipate that they will bleed into each other at points, but I, I agree with you as the, the, those being the two main lines of attack as such, because, because of how chaotic Glee is, we have to try and impose some structure where we can. So, okay, I, fine, let's start with the music, because that is, after Let all, us, yes. <laughs> that is supposed to be the center. Um, okay, so sorry, just my, my Glee credentials are actually surprisingly similar to Sophie's. Um, I would say I started watching it around the same age as you, maybe one year older. Uh, and I also dropped off probably around the same time as you. I certainly haven't seen all the episodes. Um, but I, the ones that I saw, I think I was very solidly engaged with Glee from season one to about season five, early season five. Because um, mm -hmm. I remember I stuck it out through all of season four when they all graduated and went to New York. But pretty soon after that, I think it coincided with 
like almost graduating high school slash needing to get into university. So I think at that time I dropped off the bandwagon too. But like you, I stayed connected always via music videos um, and obviously like a lot of mess towards the end of Glee. Um, we were ne- we never strayed too far. I can I can probably say for both of us, mm-hmm. we never we never properly left it in the rearview mirror. Like I was always cognizant of what was going on broadly with Glee. And I'm glad I did because it's it's it was quite formative for both of us. Mm-hmm. I, I can I can say I think, uh, yeah. Just in terms of both of our music tastes, and also it seems like for you, when you mentioned that when it stopped having subtitles, you would actually just have to like slog through and and through that <laughs> acquired a higher, more Ryan Murphy level of English. And at least for me, it definitely helped inform I think my sense of humor or like certain bizarre aspects of my sense of humor because I was watching mm-hmm. it as a young teen. Definitely. And I think something else with Glee, which we'll get to, is that it had this ability. I think Ryan Murphy, and that's one of the big questions we always have with Cordelia when we're discussing the Ryan Murphy extended universe, is that who the hell funds him? <laughs> like, who, keeps him who keeps telling him, yes, Ryan, I just know. do whatever you want. Here's a big budget. And so you end up with things like the the Rocky Horror Glee. Yep. Wait, what was he called? The Brocky Horror Glee Show, I think, yes. instead of the Brocky Horror Picture Show, which I knew the Brocky Horror Picture Show because this friend, the same friend who introduced me to Glee, actually, we're not friends anymore, but she was very important in my formative years <laughs> of being 11, 12. Once we were at her place on a Saturday night having a sleepover and she was like, my mom told me about this musical that we have to watch. It's called the Brocky Horror Picture Show. It's like horror music, vampire. Mm. Uh, and then there's a big uh, orgy in a pool. And I was like, oh, Okay, yeah. let's watch this. <laughs> I was much too young. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. And then it came on Glee, and so more people knew the music. Yeah. And the fact that it's not like the Rocky Horror is niche per se, it's just that it's a very specific, it's a specific cultural genre of uh, like bad films that people become fans yeah. of. And clearly, Ryan Murphy is one of these people. Yeah. But he decided to bring it into the mainstream. Yeah. And he did that yeah. for a bunch of stuff. I think that's a really, that's actually really on point. Like there's no, that's, that's describing exactly what it is. There's something about all of Ryan Murphy's projects, be it Glee, American Horror Story, Scream Queens, that is some, it's a little bit off. So you think it belongs in a niche genre when you watch it, because there's something kind of like stilted about the way they talk. Dialogue is not very commercially sanitized. It's, there's usually Mm -hmm. some kind of sex plot line there's usually some kind of murder plot line there's usually some kind of crime plot line all ongoing wrapped up in each other very unconventional plot and casting and dialogue choices so they it seems all very niche however he he wrangles it into the mainstream forces it into the mainstream and that it feels very out of place and what's so odd is that i was watching disclosure the documentary that i highly recommend it's on netflix about uh, trans representation and within that they talked about so Pose was produced by Ryan Murphy and it's this mm-hmm. I mean I'm sure most people have heard of it but it's this show about ballroom culture in New York in the 80s 90s and all the leads are trans women of color it's an excellent show and it's kind of the Ryan Murphy that I think we've seen arrive Whereas then in this documentary, they also talked about Nip Tuck, which I never watched, but I've heard of. And that was a much more conventional show earlier on. And that was also Ryan Murphy. 
I didn't know that. Yeah, right. I didn't know that either. But within that, you have some like quite bad trans representation plot lines as they tell in the documentary. Yeah. And so what I find also interesting with that is that I think for our generation, Ryan Murphy is this oddly famous for a reason that evades us, <laughs> but also very quirky character who just keeps making yes. this larger than life ridiculous series and gets funded for it. Um, but I think yep. it's also because we don't know of this earlier Ryan Murphy who was doing Nipfak is what, what is it a detective show like I don't hmm. I I thought it was a combination of like I th- I heard it was kind of like a uh, a sexy Grey's Anatomy Ooh, with yeah. uh, murder and mystery to be fair that is pretty Ryan Murphy <laughs> yeah I mean yeah it's it, there's always the same like foundational elements it's, it's literally what is it like when they make the Powerpuff Girls it's like sugar spice everything nice for ryan murphy it's like sex sex. murder and a musical episode yeah sex murder musical episode like poor like weird racism like subtle racism um (laughs) lots of character like i think no another another very uh strong theme throughout ryan murphy's projects is the fact that he always casts way more people than are necessary oh my god yeah um so he has way too many characters and, and has never got a, a real plan <laughs> for what to do with all of them. Um, that is, that's yeah, but that, that, I, I think we'll get onto that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we were talking music and I think one of the things that I was thinking about when I was trying to prepare <laughs> to, to order my chaotic thoughts about Glee for this episode <laughs> was that one of the strengths of Glee, I think for people yeah. like me is that it's, it has the strength of ensemble. So as we said, there are way too many people. And there's also a very yeah. huge, like it is at heart a musical. So it has people yeah. who are good singers, some more than others, <laughs> as we will all agree. <laughs> but at heart, yeah. they're all good singers. And they are like, it was clearly studio recorded. There's harmony everywhere. You have all those weird scenes where they're singing in the Glee Club room and they're, they've like prepared a song, but somehow everyone else knows the harmonies and yeah. so there's some shade but everyone starts singing the harmonies in the background um and and so that's something that I think made the music strong and like that's not just personal because yeah. Mike's Mike keeps repeating that check out Mike on YouTube um he doesn't need my help but do and so he always repeats <laughs> that in the like, glee in its existence brought in 207 hot top 100 songs in the U.S. Billboard and uh, the only person who did more than that is Drake with 222. Wow. So they have the most songs in the top 100 almost ever. It, they didn't have the number one songs. I think they only had like three songs in the top 10. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like existing and being listened to and being streamed, yep. uh, it clearly went beyond. Like either the Gleeks have a lot of power, which, <laughs> which to be fair, do. we might. <laughs> we, sorry. Oh my God. Yes, we, Cordelia. <laughs> we. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's the thing. I'm trying to detach myself. But as you said the other day, we think we're cool, but we're Gleeks at heart. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, we are we are closeted, but actually transparently <laughs> Gleeky Gleeks. And um, so musically, it's really strong with that. And I also think something that you can see is that, so on the one hand, you had this strength of like ensemble, which means that even songs that wouldn't be necessarily, um, that wouldn't have appealed to the same demographic that they ended up doing with Glee did because of the way it was arranged mm. so you had those really big numbers you had loads of harmonies you had a lot of different like you had duets you had what are they called um oh now the word evades but like when you mix two songs together mashups um you had all of that and, so, and you also ended up with for some reason how he built the characters means that like Finn 
only like the music that I guess his parents listen to. And so he has all these like big 80s yeah. rock ballads. Yeah. Which you just wouldn't have known. Like as a, <laughs> as a French teen in 2011, there was no reason why I should know Don't Stop Believing or Highway to the Danger Zone or Jukebox Hero. But yep. I do because of Glee. And I think that led to, I have an anecdote for that. The first time I went to the US, or maybe the second time, I went on a summer camp. And um, so I'll make more serious episodes about what I actually study, which is race. And But in the US was the first time I was just wholly racialized as black. So I arrived, it was like, you're black. And then we were listening to music and the black kids were my friends. Like It was really different to what I have in France because, well, I grew up in a very white place, but also like racialization works differently and then I got there there's a point to this story I swear which is that um, I would listen to the music I listened to so it was just like loads of old rock some of it was my mom like the British stuff is my mom and David Bowie and all of that and I won't reject it but there was also a lot of like music I knew from Glee and everyone was like why do you listen to middle-aged white women music and the reason why was Glee yeah Absolutely. And it was really I think, weird for me. Yeah. I mean, I, we're, we're united in this specific sense of both of us being non-continental U.S. Gleeks. <laughs> <laughs> because I was a Gleek all the way out here in Hong Kong. You were a Gleek all the way out there in France. <laughs> and you're so right. There's like just culturally no real reason for us to know, let alone actively listen to songs such as, I mean, on my end, there was no Sweet Caroline penetration in this part of the world at all. Why should they have been? And yet, oh, and like, I remember for some reason, the songs from Glee season one, which I never really watched very seriously, Mm -hmm. but because those songs were such an iconic, because Glee season one was very iconic. I think it was a lot more edgy than the later seasons because it was when they were like actively bullying Rachel Berry, throwing smoothies in her face. like genuinely bullying people to the point. And so much. Queen was a baby. She had yeah. like an out of wedlock baby. There was whole. There were so many jokes that like tethered on racism and anti-Semitism. Yes. And like this became, like it was not PC. No. But at the same time, it was the show with the most representation we had on exactly. TV. So that, that that that's the thing. With, yeah, Glee has always been as I think we, we want to talk about, it's like so simultaneously bad, but also simultaneously good. It's such an extreme show. And at the same time, it can cover so much, so much of the same spectrum because on the one hand, it was like very problematic in many, many aspects and just like doesn't handle, I think it bites Mm -hmm. off a lot more than it ever could chew, but still tries to take on the issues way too enthusiastically. So inevitably there's fallout and inevitably there's like screw ups. Um, But the reason I, the reason I remember all the songs from season one so vividly, despite not really remembering what happened in the plot is because a lot of season one was very, it was like never seen before. You know what I mean? There was, it was like, and I just, Mm -hmm. I have this vision of Corey Monteith, what's Hiffin singing in the shower. I just can't fight this feeling anymore. And I never knew that song before. And for some reason, I know it now. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) And like, um, Exactly. And I remember before I was obsessed with True Colors, sung by Tina, yes. our, our very own Tina Cohen Chang. But I, to this day, don't actually know who the original singer is, nor have I ever. Well, oh, who? Um, I know it's someone really iconic. I'll I have find no out. Idea. But 
it, you know what I mean? There's so many songs that I know that I that only one version of them exists in my head, and it's the Glee version. It is the seminal version, and it's the, they invented musical <laughs> theater for me. Like uh, <laughs> all the songs that they like, uh, yeah. defying gravity, uh, all the songs that became like super iconic. Like, did I know Barbara Streisand? No. Why would I have? No. Oh my god, never. Um, and like all of these songs just became really like wicked the musical I think that's where Defying Gravity comes yeah. from I don't know but I, yes, I don't need yes. to know. I went to see Wicked um <laughs> my my parents took me to New York one year for summer and that summer I said can we go see Wicked I've seen the songs on Glee and that you know, so, as you said like it, it's such a a conduit into American culture it really is. otherwise would have and totally cut off from me. And something that I was thinking about with that actually is that um, Jabuki Young White, Cordelia and I are really big fans. <laughs> his, um, love his work. <laughs> love his work, love his style. He has this playlist on Spotify <laughs> called Caucasian Bops and the only songs I know on there. Because once again, it's like about white people, white peopling in a very American way, which I think is very dominant in internet discourse. But a lot of the things that are yeah. to in these memes, I wouldn't relate to had I not consumed so much American culture. The thing is, I haven't consumed that much American culture comparatively, but I binged Glee mm. so hard that everything that I know, like all those songs on there almost, I know just from Glee, but I know <laughs> them by heart. I can like sing them. I can partake. Yep. It's that powerful. Because of Glee. And it's just, I guess that's one thing. Something else that I, that I wanted to talk about or point to is I think Ryan Murphy managed to revive, or not Ryan Murphy, I guess the team behind Glee revived quite a lot of, so obviously you have Don't Stop Believing that then everyone started yep. knowing um, that you can love or hate. Like I kind of hate that song because it's so overplayed when it comes to Glee. But um, that year was such oh. a big year for Don't Stop Believing. <laughs> Journey just like their retirement was sorted. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Journey, they invented Journey for me. I don't know any other Journey song. Me neither. And I'm pretty confident that like a lot of people don't. 100%. And then the people that they didn't invent, and that's something that I think they did very well and seamlessly, is that they took some very iconic people and singers and musicians and introduced them to a younger generation. Yes. So if you think of yes. the, the Madonna episode or the Whitney Houston episode, which I think all yes. the songs in there are bops. Why? Because Whitney Houston, all of her songs are bops. And now I mostly yes, listen correct. to her version, not the Glee version. <laughs> However, correct. I was introduced to them because of this episode. And, yep. and other songs like Madonna, obviously I would know her, but I was 11 and I was in France. So I knew a couple of her songs. I knew Frozen which actually wasn't in the episode. And I knew like maybe Papa Don't Preach. No, I didn't know that. I know that from Glee. Like, I don't even know which yeah. songs I knew, but I know then Glee introduced me to so much more. And then obviously the Fleetwood Mac revival, as I was telling Cordelia, yeah. I feel like there's an episode, not an article that I link that I think is really cool, which is about how Fleetwood Mac comes back all the time and we always feel that we're rediscovering it. But the, the main reason is because they've always been incredibly popular. They like they feel edgy, but they really never went popular. away. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I think that's like something that's really crucial to a bunch of things in Glee is that they felt a bit edgy to a like preteen or a teen, but they weren't. But Fleetwood Mac has the strength of actually feeling edgy for anyone. Like everyone's like, yeah, I love Fleetwood Mac. I'm a witch, but yeah. that's all. And I mean, everyone <laughs> is me. <laughs> I am bitches. Yeah. <laughs> I am everyone. <laughs> but um, but Ryan Murphy did this thing where it was like, if you look at his extended universe, he gets you when you're young with 
the Fleetwood Mac, the rumors episode in Glee. He gives you yep, yep. knowledge that feels like insider knowledge because you actually you know it's all about how rumors was excellent music based on internal drama and it's paralleled in the yep. Glee club. So you're like, mm, I know all these things yeah, about Fleetwood yeah. Mac. Then he brings it back again with American Horror Story and this whole plot line where Stevie Nicks is a witch and she comes and she's friends with like, what's her name? M something. Lily Rabe. Exactly. Yep. Who's like out in the swamp And then you end up with so 12-year-old me listening to rumors. Like I think also one of the strengths is that most of the songs in Glee are good and I will flatter myself and say that I think I like good music. So I was like, oh, this is really good. I like it. I like Fleetwood Mac. And then mm-hmm. you have me four years later, maybe a bit more detached from Glee, but this song's real present, like that I still listen to. And then I end up watching her being yeah. a witch. And then I'm like, oh yeah. my God, Tumblr helping, of course. And I'm like, oh my God, this is just me. And I already knew Fleetwood Mac because I'm an OG. Yeah. I'm not an OG. I just watched Glee. <laughs> That's when you presented that theory. I was actually quite blown away because I had never thought of it in that context. But you're so right. There is a solid through line. And it's actually, actually now that you now that you've just laid it out in one kind of breath for me to hear, I think that's actually something quite miraculous. I mean, we obviously, um, I think in our lifetime, there, the mm-hmm. Glee is quite unprecedented as a format. Because as you say, it's basically one long extended jukebox musical with a very developed plot. Um, and a very prolific one at that. So many episodes, so many songs. But there's really no other comparable show or movie that has, as you say, sort of introduced such a breadth of artists and genres of music into mm-hmm. our collective, like, tween consciousness so successfully as Glee. Because, I mean, if you think, there's nothing like it. I mean, High School Musical um, but that was sort of did songs. something on a similar... Exactly, mm-hmm. it was original songs, and it was a very Disney you know, like all the songs are written for us, but this is this is very miraculous in the sense that you and I, as respectively, let's say like 11, 12 year olds in completely different parts of the world, found ourselves, you know, every week listening to Barbra Streisand and then the next week listening to um, Fleetwood Mac and then the week after that listening to Journey and then the week after that listening to... Those are old school R&B as well. Like I think something, I was just a bit too young do you yeah. know what? Glee introduced me to bust your windows. Like, when I know. No air. There with the, yeah, oh my God, no <laughs> air. <laughs> the, best. the best. I've kicked something over because I'm so excited. <laughs> There's nothing like it. Like, it's, it's actually very effective music education mm-hmm. on top of everything else. And one thing I wanted to add to what you said about um, what they did with Rumors specifically, that episode where they intertwined the fact of Fleetwood Mac's music being written in really kind of fraught circumstances mm-hmm. between warring couples and they intertwine that with the infighting of the glee club in that particular week <laughs> they actually do something really really special with the songs that they feature and i think they do a quite a range of things so there's some songs let's say the ones that um, a lot of the competitor groups sang at regionals sectionals nationals whatever mm-hmm. they were um, <laughs> those would just be songs right those would just be songs that we listen to and there's one number and it's there's no real relation to the plot other than oh this is a performance of a song but most of the time what they would do is intertwine the song with the plot in such a way that when i hear those songs now i don't just hear the songs i actually picture the story that's true so like you know when i when i hear landslide um i think of Britney and Santana and Gwyneth Paltrow. Holly holidays. <laughs> Holly holiday, yes. Sitting 
on our three stools in the middle of the mm-hmm. glee club looking very 70s classic like santana is in a long sleeve white mm-hmm. shirt like someone is crying and then when i you know i, I think of telephone i think of rachel berry like bullying the portion <laughs> in the toilet <laughs> so it's a what, what they've done is actually like add this whole new layer of meaning and visualization to these songs and i think that's so special because they give these songs another life um uh, you know, obviously Ryan Murphy has picked the life that they lead for us in our heads, but like, it's really distinctive. It and is. whenever I hear a song and I remember, oh, there was a Glee version of this. It's never just, mm-hmm. you're going to hear another, another bunch of people sing the same song. It's that there's always some weird story associated with it, or they're singing in the middle of a fight or they're running through Lima Heights. Right. So it's, it's really cool what they've done actually. It is. And something interesting as well. And then I guess we can like slowly transition to talking about the plot. But one last thing is that we mm-hmm. actually tried to do original songs. There was like, get it right. A yes. loser like me. Yes. A huge flop. I want to talk about that. No. Okay. Okay. Yes. Commercially. Yes. But I actually was thinking about this. Uh, sorry. On the, on the way to this podcast, AK, when I was walking around my house, thinking about, <laughs> thinking about Glee songs that I really liked. I remember thinking there were actually quite a lot of originals and they were obviously all flop, but some of them I really liked. Yeah, but I think that comparatively, we can't say that there were a lot. For something that yeah, ran true. for six years, they had less true, than true. 10 And there were always songs. Um, songs that they did at professionals. Yeah, yeah. Yep. No, I mean, that, that was Trouty Mouth um, by Santana, which was original in that. Trouty Mouth. Mouth was the moment. Trouty Mouth was the reset of the 21st century. I, I do think that Santana invented the diss really with Trouty Mouth. <laughs> yeah, and that's something that you said, like that I wanted to say, because you said that it was the reset. But I think that Glee at most, and I was actually, I'm so annoyed at myself for forgetting to say it earlier but like there are many concepts that have been ruined by twitter like the idea of normalizing or jaden mm-hmm. smith being mm-hmm. like mm, i'm in an entanglement and now i never can use entanglement anymore <sighs> and cultural reset was also one of them but then i was trying to look at like what does cultural reset actually mean so i went on urban dictionary yep. you know and a cultural reset is so and then obviously this video of what's her name the one who says i'm tired who was in Allison. The one who was in Charmed, and like there are so many memes of her. What's her name? Alyssa Milano. Yes, and there's a video of her being like, "It was a cultural reset." So, but they say, "Was oh, that the original?" I think so. Original. That's how oh, it was ruined. Okay. But um, the idea of a cultural reset, according to Urban Dictionary, is when something big in well-known pop culture changes or is added, causing people to change the way they look at things or have a lot of people hop on the trend. And I think that Glee, in that sense, was a cultural reset in many ways. I have to agree. It is That is quintessentially Glee. <laughs> Glee, Glee, it's like every everything in the world is before Glee or after Glee, I have to say, at least in my consciousness. And a lot of people like might have hated it, but I also think there's something with um, a lot of, for instance, like really absurd series like teen dramas with a really absurd plot like Pretty Little Liars, Riverdale, which yeah. I haven't watched but I heard <laughs> that it's like that. Yeah. Yeah. All of this can kind of be traced back to Glee. And I think one Dude, of the- I that's huge. Yeah. And one of the reasons they were able to do that was also because of the music. Because I think that show in itself at the time when it came out was actually too much. And like in fact still today, like <laughs> a lot of it I would take out. I'm not here defending Yeah, yeah. I think like that and even yeah, with the music I cut a lot. Yeah. And like even I think if we take the music 
I think that's something that we will be able to get to like in a second and that apparently actors themselves fought a lot to make the show less of a a big circus, which it was in season mm-hmm. one. I think the reason why this really was, like became acceptable was because the music was really good and the singers actually like gave it their all. So if yeah. you look at because if you think about it, like Kurt's I mean Kurt was a huge homophobic cliche in season one and it was made to be funny, but it was still yeah. he had it was like one dimensional. And Mercedes always singing those like Mercedes's only point was to do some huge like riffs a la Effie White. <laughs> all the time and like she can do it the thing is that amber riley is an incredible singer and now she's gonna have to have like this great career on broadway um so she could take it and then i think because there were also genuine not all mm, we're not going to talk about rachel berry but because a lot of them were incredibly good they were able to actually like kind of reclaim the circus way in which season one was made and yes. make it matter yes we will get to this yeah 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 and i, I think, think they could do it. that because of the music as well because one of the reasons why some of them became so like prominent um figures within the show i think was because their presence their like stage presence was undeniable like yeah. that was the case for santana that was the case for mercedes yeah. that was yeah. the case for kurt like even though I, i'm not a the hugest fan of kurt i think he's Neither. very annoying yeah but yeah. you can't deny that yep totally agree so, and I think the music played a part in that. But yeah, then the plot, and then, I mean, I think we've gotten into that a little bit, which is the many ways in which Glee was problematic. <laughs> yeah, I think there is, so um, I suppose I might as well throw it in since we are going to reference it a lot later. There's there's an article on the Galden website that Sophie recommended I read earlier, and we both really loved it. And it made a lot of, a lot of points that are all correct, so it's almost not worth um it'll be in the notes you guys can just go and read it but one of the points it makes about it 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 was made originally about Santana but it also it's also just a general comment directed at the show as a whole which is that it had a lot of fluff because the cast was so big that it really needed a lot of it's almost like when you make well, well this is my analysis now but this is the way that I saw people like Santana and as you say people who have such strong stage presence that they manage to cut through like the fat of the whole show not to say that necessarily like specific cast members were gratuitous because I think at any in any one episode the gratuitous cast members could be different people but because the scale of the operation was so big at any one time there are always so many characters to contend with and oftentimes they would just deal with it by not having them appear at all or just have them swaying in the background um, for episodes on end what you had was like when you, for instance, when you make like a very, when you make like a salmon dish and it's just overwhelmingly salmony and it's like fishy and you need like an, you need like lemon or you need like lemongrass or you need something sharp to just cut through it because it's Mm -hmm. such a huge machine. You need like a Santana to cut through it. You need, you need some freshness. And I think they tried that in many different ways over the seasons. Let's say, I think around season three, four, they suddenly had, remember that new generation of, of, glee members who would who joined hmm. they just suddenly that had like was, i don't want to talk about that because they didn't yeah, have the zest thing. exactly like they just had an injection randomly of five six new members who were again they their biggest contribution was showing up on episode one and then never showing up again and do you remember white that? jesus with the dreadlocks yeah. like that made me angry yes. do you remember <laughs> do you remember the like where he came from it was from the glee project do you remember that yeah that oh like yes 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 absurd adjunct 
show um, where it's like, oh, auditioning people to join the cast of Glee, which is already like overinflated. And <laughs> the fan community was so big, though. So what can like, you? Like, I think on the one hand, like the fans, the the Gleeks yeah. were yeah. so involved that they were like, we need to bring in. Also, something else is that it was at heart a high school show and I think that's something they really struggled with and that's kind of when we dropped off is that they managed to make them graduate but they didn't want to yes. leave McKinley I guess because yes. they wanted to hang on to Bill Schuster which yes. like why <laughs> because if like they had judgment issues but yes exactly <laughs> if they just moved on um because I think there was we can talk about that there, there was this New York moment um mm-hmm. which was something <laughs> but I yeah, think so if they had just decided to actually follow people out Yes, the, and yes. like the show would have yes. grown up with its fan base, and that would yes. have made it yes. more like long lasting. So but because true. they wanted to keep a, um, a leg in high school, they had to come up with some silly things, like the fact that everyone who was already like twenty seven when the show started were supposed yep. to be, in yep. fact, juniors or sophomores, or I don't know what they're called, like the yep. youngest, and then like also double a year, which means that they would just stay in high school for like six years, which made no sense at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And You're that, so right. Was, but... And then what, what you also had was, as you said, the strength was the ensemble. And then what they did when like half of the cast graduated, but the other half, they want, I, can, I think as, as you say, they wanted to have some legs left in high school. So they, they kept some of the characters being like a year younger. So they'd have to stay in high school. So they split up Brittany and Santana. They split up Kurt mm-hmm. and Blaine. And they obviously had Rachel and Finn split up, but they had Rachel run to New York to pursue her dreams. And Finn somehow came out of the army and went back to McKinley High School. So you had all of these weird... I guess something to be fair to them is that, like, so there are many tragic deaths that are linked to uh, Glee. uh, And Corey Monteith was the first of them. And he, he died by suicide when they were filming. So then they also had to integrate that. So I guess the the Finn one I'm less mad at because they kind of, I mean, it was already badly handled, but then also. Yeah. No, no, no. The the specific breakup I'm talking about was the one where um, Finn went to enlist in the army. And then after he left. Oh, yeah, he disappeared. Yes. Yes. He went back to Glee to like coach them. And for some reason, he was coaching their musical when they did Grease. I don't even yes, remember. Yes. <laughs> that was also quite iconic. Um, but so, so I think what happened what, when you said like it, it was hard for us as fans who had grown up with it to continue because we were moving on and it felt it, it felt like they weren't moving on with us because they were sort of mm. circling the drain of high school. That is something that I thought because I remember I, I stayed with Glee from season three to four because I just I loved it and I wanted I was rooting for people and I was specifically invested in a lot of their lives and to see I saw them kind of existentially struggle with this issue of what do we do with the characters who need to move on and their their fans are invested in seeing what they do next but at the same mm. time tethering it back to Will, William McKinley High School and I think I, I guess all things considered they tried their best because they had um, obviously these age gaps between the characters that would necessitate us seeing both the high school and the future mm. but they also had a lot of they managed I, I would say they pulled off a lot like they pulled off Greece, which was done like half with the new cast half with the mm. old cast um, and I don't and then and then they kind of they they navigated a lot of weird like crossovers so Santana was originally still at the high school but remember later on she joined Rachel and Kurt living in their mm. weird loft which they no, she went. No, no, she went to um to Nutbush City Limits, Nashville. She went to Texas oh, or something. She went to college. Oh, I don't even remember that. Yeah, she went to college. I and then, 
Yeah, me too. A moment. <laughs> so, and so she went to college, came back. She had to break up with Britney, blah, 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 yeah. goes to college and then comes back. And then she dropped out because she wanted to be a musical performer. Um, yeah. And so then she joined them in New York. But I think something else that is quite, that's badly done with Glee and that I would say was quite crucial is that it's a show about outcasts and I'm making giant air quotes but I think it's also like with the I'm just gonna say it with Will Schuster being like you're all minorities you're in Glee Club but it's a show about people who weren't thriving in high school to say the least and I think it's a show that appealed to a lot of people who weren't thriving in high school because I think if you're thriving in like middle to high school you're not necessarily a Gleek Um, which also means that then a lot when a lot of us moved on the least relatable thing ever was people being unable to move on from high school and being like so stuck into coming back. Like Rachel was maybe the yeah. most relatable character in that sense, in that she went away yes. and like when she came back, yeah. it was just to flaunt that she was now cool. But Kurt, yeah. like Kurt was bullied all the way through high school. He was having a horrible time. Why on earth would he spend all, like the, even blame wasn't enough to explain why he was inside of the high school so much. I would understand yeah. him going back to the line map, but why was he going back to the high school so much? Yeah, it was really weird, especially I remember, I just remember seeing a lot of clips from seasons five and six when they actually have no business being in that high school, like all being there every week in that music mm-hmm. room doing musical numbers and it didn't make any sense. You're so right about that. And I, I think that's, the, it, it felt quite stale by then because they just, refuse to give a convincing enough reason for why they're still there so yeah plot wise lots of holes um <laughs> i will give them pro- I mean, okay it's, it's it's a simultaneous props and also like oh what a shame because they, they don't don't you agree that glee took on every issue like every issue you can think of for instance do you remember when they sang shake it out to coach i forgot her name but it was the coach who was um being like being like abused by her husband Yes, yes. And they all, I, for some reason, they sat there singing Shake It Out by Florence and the Machine to her. And she was crying and it, it was constantly cutting to like footage of her with her husband. Her being, home. yeah. Oh my God. Yes, that's true. And oh, then I, I, it, yeah. it's a show with like so much heart, but just like very poor on the execution in many instances. Very like, often. I and I think, yeah, and that's definitely the main thing. Like when we talk about plot, I think, and, and about characters, I think that's where Glee both that's where it is kind of the the blueprint i think is that it was it tried to do everything so it tried to talk yeah. about trans identity teenage pregnancy it tried to talk yeah. about people like even the first season which was the clownery season yeah. talked about teenage pregnancy um religion it talked yeah. about single single parenthood with uh, Finn's mum it's yeah. talked about um gay parenthood yeah. and, and gay also, adoption remember, it was really dark episode where that one kid who kept bullying kurt killed him was actually gay yeah and then oh, oh my god. god yes yeah yes. remember that, that, was, that was, I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of this is really early like in the first two seasons they pretty much took on every issue under the sun and they deal with it in like episodes. Yeah. yeah and the thing is because it was a, a comedy show um part of what oh they, my god <laughs> part of what they did was to use all of this as like the joke so it was it was and some of it was in fact really funny because when you have Rachel doing like internal monologues showing her two dads and like one of her dad is um yeah. oh god what's his name everyone calls him daddy and everyone loves him um oh uh Jeff Goldblum yes <laughs> so one of her dad is Jeff Goldblum <laughs> and her other dad is um black 
that's his only I don't yeah. know who but he's a black actor yeah. and it's funny because Rachel is like very Jewish um but in yeah. fact I think Jeff, and then in season two her black dad disappears um and I think actually her first so I think in season one it's like not Jeff Goldblum it's a random white actor and a random black actor and they don't they don't feature in the series you just see them like you see a picture of them and it's funny yeah, because yeah. it's like kind of absurd um but then when her dad's actually become sort of important there's one or two episodes with them it's Jeff Goldblum and someone else who's most definitely not black and so you have a lot of those plot holes where you can see that season one was kind of thought as this short comedic a lot of it was filmed in a um, sort of docu-fiction style or mockumentary yes, style camera handheld mm-hmm. yeah yeah um and that just completely disappeared as the show grew but I think so I think there was also this moment and that definitely appeared in the Galdem article where um Naya Rivera apparently so also the article was published because she also just tragically passed away um and the mm-hmm. way that it talked about it was that Naya Rivera tried to make Santana's sexuality matter because at yeah. first it was just a joke so it was like this super hot bisexual I guess uh, cheerleader who was sleeping with her best friend it was super yes, I remember the, the way that they handled it yeah. was like They'd always have her like lying on top of Britney, just making out with her. And then she'd say, I'm just here. Remember her really iconic line where she was like, I'm Yes, I'm like, like a lizard. And I'm like a lizard. I need something warm <laughs> underneath me. me. And, I, and that, that was, yes, exactly. I think they were trying to just keep it as that, you know, like a really one off, 100% um, off the cuff. Yeah, just like this quick like thing yeah. it was no joke and then it became and like Britney was not an important character at all and I think she was no, totally one dimensional mm-hmm. and she was pulled to become more important because Naya was such she had such stage presence yeah. and I think everyone agrees that she was one of the best if not the best actresses on this show um, and she Absolutely. really managed to take her character and give mm-hmm. her so much more dimension which means that by the time you arrive at the rumors episode which is just the end of season two so there aren't that many episodes between the lizard one and this tragic like heartbreaking <laughs> yeah. melt it episode. absolutely um and they managed to do that because the actress really i think came forward and was like i think that mm-hmm. um, latino lesbians actually deserve better and maybe i'm the only latino yes absolutely this character lesbian. deserves better this type of storyline deserves better absolutely because i think that they were really they were quite flippant about it at the start. I remember there wasn't, it wasn't very authentic. And then you sort of realize like, wait, but they're making out every single day. And Santana is like always wanting to do that with her. And they both seem to enjoy it. And they don't really, they're like, they know they're better than all the men in the school. Mm-hmm. This is not just a, a punchline. And so this is something that worked well, I think. And same with like Britney's bisexuality. That was actually quite well explored, I think, because she also genuinely dated men when she was broken up with Santana or when with Santana didn't want to be like out and proud about like their relationship so that was one that worked well but a lot of the plot lines simply just didn't I mean the way they tried to handle uh, disability was really bad I mean the disabled actors weren't I mean the the disabled both characters weren't played by disabled actors. You had this ridiculous mm-hmm. moment in the dancing. God, I just remember that one where they sang um, We Found Love near a school. And then Artie. Oh, yes, they had Artie in the middle. And they threw him on that floating thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. And they, like, they were always pushing him around. Um, Artie was the character who was in Jersey. He was also always rapping, which means that when, like, so for instance, they did Umbrella, and he was like, Artie, when Jay Z says Jay Z, which is. Mm. 
that was also something. Oh, uh, but yeah, so that was, I don't think that was handled very well. I don't think they were trying to get anywhere. I think they were just trying to do some representation for the sake of it. And then Quinn at some yeah. point also like randomly was in a wheelchair and then was out of the wheelchair. I remember that. I don't remember why though. No, yeah, me neither. I she had a car accident going to someone's wedding because a lot of people yeah. were getting married at some point. So that wasn't that well handled. I think a lot of things they tried to do with the best heart. So disability, that was also Sue's, um, like one of the cheerleaders who then sue a doctor, yeah. Becky. Um, and I think they tried to do this thing where they were like, I want to make her um, be really... So she was like really rude and she was just a very unlikable character, which I yeah. like. I think that's good. I think that's good that they tried to yeah. do that yeah. and make um, like a disabled character not not just like a, a pity yeah. prop. They gave her actual character traits. Except that it was also, it also felt... She never gets any depth. I think a lot of the characters just never no. get any depth. And same with Unique. They try to talk about being like non-binary or being yes, trans. And that just so always, special. I was so excited. Yeah, they didn't do anything. Really like, I mean, it was great because Sue could do loads of transphobic jokes, which was supposed to be fine because Sue, because everyone was it's very... Sue, yeah. Not- Sue is a bit of a, a hard nut to chew, because, like <laughs> hard nut to crack, just because like we, like Sue is just... I get it. You were supposed to per, like she's supposed to be so obviously a satirical play on assholes that you're not supposed to take anything she says at face value. And at the same However, time, it's just sort of like, for her at many points. Like there are points where you realize why she's so lonely. You have the whole plot line with her sister, yeah. who also has Down syndrome. Yeah. Like I don't. I think it's as we said. It's just a show that bit off way too much. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that couldn't handle what it tried to do. Yes. It it just took on the weight of the world and just totally like cr- like knelt knelt under the weight like no capability of handling any of it. I have, I think it it started a lot of conversations and then didn't did. walk into those conversations with a super huge amount of thoughtfulness no, but or it sensitivity. Also started them and I think that's something that for it like we have to just for even if it's just like the representation of gay and lesbian characters, because I'm not going to say LGBTQ, because yeah. I think that trans characters are very well represented. So let's say LGB representation. Um, that yeah, yeah. Really changed something. I think that high school shows post Glee would all have at least one gay character that wasn't just the birth yeah. joke. Yeah, it's true. Yes, that is true. That was a very watershed moment. It was, it was Glee. like, And I think having like two ongoing l and g relationships oh, sorry i guess b yeah. as well at the same time relationships because it wasn't you know it wasn't just tokenistic like her and blaine done it was kind of like oh santana and britney and britney struggling with it and santana's kind of like pushing her to explore her sexuality it was like all ongoing which is quite was, quite special seasons and so that was something that i guess we have to give them props i mean in terms of a lot of the other things they did was just it was dumb. Like, I mean, having Mercedes only ever sing the same Motown songs and do riffs. But I guess something that yeah, I want to do and then like we'll slowly wrap it up because we're almost at an hour. But I hope you enjoyed this. Um, <laughs> is that um, Glee was very self-aware. And I think that that's what made a lot of its unbearableness actually enjoyable is that the characters would just have lines that pointed out the absurdity of the show all the time. Yes. Yeah. So when they did the Rocky Horror Picture Show, um, Mr. Shu is like, and Kurt, I thought you could play. And then Kurt is like, there's no way in hell I'm going to play this like drag queen slash dreads character. Like, this is such a homophobic trope. I'm not going to play him. That was the question. Frankenfurter is not me. And then Mercedes ends up playing Frankenfurter. And that was quite early on. And that was a moment where you were just like, huh, interesting. 
um, there were loads of things where like they would make like Quinn was this very waspy character um, and yeah. at some point Mercedes is like yeah white people can't do fuck and Quinn is like Mercedes's racism aside and that itself is just all <laughs> a dig as the sh- at the show uh, because the show actually does this it always pigeonholes the black characters into yeah. the black character because <laughs> in fact there was one um, and in fact you also see that with Brittany always calling Unique Mercedes afterwards because Unique yes. is this, like yeah, um, yes. not, not thin black femme character, just like Mercedes yeah. was, and you yeah, and that's that. pointing out that Glee is in fact having a token. But by pointing yeah. it out, I guess it makes it slightly better. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I, it was a very it's a very self referential show. Like it's it's very aware of its own ills, and I think that's actually something you can. There's there's always a hint of like wink wink. I know in mm-hmm. Ryan Murphy productions like yes. Scream Queens oh, American yeah. Horror Story like they know they know they're these like larger than life oversexed like super saturated productions and they know that they're kind of grotesque and just too much and rubbing everybody the wrong way and they're like wink wink we know but you're still here you know what I mean it's it's uh mm-hmm. it's a weird dance they do with their audience that obviously it really it's is. like a very Ryan Murphy tone and I think it began with Glee. Like, it's interesting to, for, to see him test out that type of tone across his different genres of productions. It, it is quite impressive, actually. To You know how, like, whenever, we, whenever you find out that something is a Ryan Murphy production, you're like, oh, oh, okay, like, I see it. And also, um, if you I didn't that, know when you start watching it, maybe, like, five minutes in, you're like, mm, is this Ryan? Like, yeah. when I watch shows, yeah, I yeah, yeah. Ryan Murphy, and, like, ten minutes in, I was like, mm, this is giving me Ryan Murphy vibes. It was Ryan. Yes, Murphy. you can tell. It's something about the way it's shot. The lighting is always super, like, like warm and and kind of like glowy. Um, and then of course there's the tone we've just mentioned. Um, but yeah, I, I I completely agree with you on on the various issues that Glee created for itself. Like it it's, it created really- a lot of its own problems and then didn't solve them. <laughs> and, and I guess to wrap it up, I wanted to do two things. One is a point that Cordelia pointed out, and I think is worth mentioning is the star production. How would I say that? How Glee is able to have so many huge movie stars and just in general pop stars on the show. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I mean, it just it's a testament to like how big Glee was at the time because I think we forget yeah. now it's been a few years, but it was huge. It was so huge, and it also created a lot of it. As as you said, a lot of its songs got into the top, the Billboard top one hundred or or the charts and stuff, right? But it also launched a lot of musical careers from the songs that it would feature. I don't know if you remember, but they would every now and then do some songs that are kind of kind of like quite unknown. Um, That's true. That's very true. When when the the kid who was bullying Kurt, who ended up being gay himself, committed suicide, they had Darren Chris, our Filipino king, come out and sing <laughs> "Cough Syrup" by Young yes. the Giant, and that was yes. And that that totally brought that song to the to the charts as well, and it like created that that man's career. Um, it did that for so many songs. So it, it actually huge, sta- huge star power. And as such, it, it attracted a lot of crazy guest stars like Patti LuPone. Um, who else? Britney Spears. Uh, uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. She was uh, a <laughs> Deniata teacher, right? Yes. Watching yeah, New York. What's his name? Um, Latino King. Ricky uh, Martin. Ricky Martin, who actually had a like kind of, he, he had a proper plot. Yeah, they gave they gave a good plot to lots of uh, they gave a good plot line to Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, they they gave her some pretty good songs. I remember they really like launched. They made "Forget You" such a big song that year. I remember like oh we my were all god, singing. yes, CeeLo Green. 
And yet, the, we were asking it so much that that's where you happened. We're like, I didn't know the real song was called Fuck You because Glee was PC, right? Neither did I. So I would just yeah. like be at a party and people would play that and it would be like, mm-hmm, and then everyone was gonna say fuck you. And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually oh, like, cool. I'm a nerd. I only know it through Glee. <laughs> Same, same. We give ourselves away by singing the Glee version of stuff. We really um, did. Oh, I forgot, to, I forgot to mention, my school actually started its own Glee club because of Glee. It lasted about like two months. It never performed. It had like three after school sessions. I didn't join, but a lot of my friends joined. I think I, I think the only reason I didn't join is because I didn't have time that day, but I would have, like I would have been in the room. But they, they, they learned and choreographed Don't Stop Believing Hong Kong international <laughs> student version, and they did it complete with the like the 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 da 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 yep. da, and I, I just think they did it. So it the impact, <laughs> the the global impact that that had, wide. And yeah, and I guess the last thing before we wrap up is that I wanted to just shout out some of the maybe less known, and really good, um, either because they were really funny or just because they were good songs moments in Glee. So one of these for me is Paradise by the Dashboard Light by Meatloaf. Meatloaf, who's, I would say, (laughs) only other global resident thing is that he is Eddie in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. So Mm -hmm. he's like a star of these um, moments. But yeah, they made a beautiful number out of it as one of the regional sectionals, nationals. The one that that was a good moment for Finn. It was yeah. a good moment for Finn. It was a really good moment for Santana. I mean, all of her moments yeah. were good, but like, it was just oh, really yeah. fun. It was bubbly. I loved it. I think every song from the Whitney Houston episode is a good cover. And it's really hard to do a cover of Whitney Houston because she has so much, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. like It's one of those so things good. that you, every, you know that when you touch it, it won't be as good as the original. So you just have to lean into it and do your and best do something anyway. very different, which is what Glee yeah. did. Yeah. There was that. And then just in general, like there are so many compilations of Santana sentences, yeah. like Santana's takedowns. I would recommend just watching all of them on YouTube, which I've been doing for the last two weeks. Like exactly, just watch them because they're excellent. Um, Cordelia, what are your (laughs) your Glee recs? Um, the one that I will start with is the one that I brought to you a few uh, a few hours ago, Sophie. The one that we both resolutely agreed was fantastic. It was the mashup of "Let's Have a Kiki" with "It's Turkey Lurkey Time." Oh my god! Uh, (laughs) Truly, never been done before. Spectacular, amazing. Not afraid to reference or not reference. And in Put your head, you'll forever have Rachel getting up and being like, it's circular key time. <laughs> exactly. It's circular key time. Like, just incredible. And actually, I think um, it's it's a pretty slept on period of the Glee universe. But the, the everything that happens in season four in New York, I Sarah actually Jessica really Parker. enjoy. Sarah mm-hmm. Jessica Parker, when she sings, you're never fully dressed without a smile and takes Rachel and Kurt into the Vogue wardrobe. And they give Rachel her makeover because Kate Hudson tells her she's not sexy enough. Incredible scenes. Um, pia- oh my God, the piano um, version, the piano cover of Teenage Dream by Blaine. Ah, uh, yes. Blaine, da- Blaine was such a gift to Glee. Like they needed him and he delivered, I think. He, I Our feeling mean, was, you know, he was there for a reason. He was, he was. And he did good work. He, um, I really liked, oh, my, my, my dad and I used to listen to the cover of um, "Baby It's Cold Outside" by oh, Kurt no. and Blaine, um, and we would we actually went um, somewhere snowy one winter and we would play it in the car. And I that's like my memory whenever I listen to that song, and which is why I think Glee is very special because it gives you very specific visual memories and 
narrative memories of songs on top of obviously the sound of the song um and mm. i think that's something that only gleeks gleeks who literally watched the performances with the songs um have and we deserve that because we've been through a lot as gleeks right we really have we really have um anything else that you want to mention before we wrap this up well of course well, yeah this is this is this definitely exceeded um the time frame we originally gave it but i think that's fine. it was inevitable because glee is such a such an it's such a an animal of its own you have to kind of like figure out a way to just describe the animal um I, obviously i think we need to pay our immense immense respects to naya rivera as a singer actress character figure clearly and you know what's been what's been really nice to see is all of her cast members or just anybody who worked on glee with her has genuinely nothing but good things to say about her which is i think like as a fan and somebody who really didn't realize how much how much i how much time i spent with santana as a character growing up yeah um very gratifying to see how somebody can be so loved on screen and off screen like it's always nice where there's that connection that there's that like connection between how much they're loved by you as a fan and how much they're loved by their co-workers and i think because glee's cast has such a dramatic history of disagreements with each other and with mm. they all have very difficult stories surrounding a lot of particular cast members it's nice when just the narrative around somebody's artistry and time on the show is just overwhelmingly respectful and positive and i think how tragic and horrible her death is it's nice to see it end this way i agree i think i think the response has been good it has been heartwarming to see what people had mm. to say about it and yeah i think for all of us who used to be quite attached to that um series it was we're all just really sad and i yeah, was quite i was it was kind of it helped me a bit to see um a yeah. lot of other people being really sad on the internet it made me same. feel understood <laughs> same same because i was sort of like do i deserve to be sad about this but then no we we really like glee was quite as we've established over this last hour glee was actually <laughs> very big for both of us it was so um yeah i guess this is a, a much sadder end to the episode as the episode compared to what the episode has been but i think it's important yeah. thanks for saying it mm -hmm. and as for um us at the big sleep yeah this was the first bonus episode so i hope you enjoyed it i tremendously enjoyed it thank you so much cordelia for coming on my tiny thank baby show the um, honor of my life <laughs> And uh, yeah, follow The Big Sleep on Instagram. Um, I'll tag and put everything in the podcast notes I always do. And uh, yeah, I'll see you next time. Bye. It's Turkey Lurkey time.